Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Welcome to another Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in 30. The Blue Jackets getting set to play tonight. We're going to take on the Vegas Golden Knights at Nationwide Arena. We don't do this show very often on a game day, but uh, once in a while that uh, Monday game does pop up, and today... One of those days where the Blue Jackets are getting set to take on a Vegas Golden Knights team that is a its a very good team. It's a team that has played far better on the road than they have at home. Whatever reason there is for that, I don't know. But uh, that's exactly what has happened with this team. They've been uh, very good away from home. And when they are at home, they have games like they had the other night when they lost to the Vancouver Canucks, uh, when they found themselves down 5 to nothing before... Uh, things were said and done in that game. Vancouver had three power play goals, and and the uh, Golden Knights just couldn't figure it out on their home ice, which is odd, which is really odd because, you know, to me, if you play in Vegas, if your home ice is in Las Vegas, I think that you should be almost undefeated on the year because all of those other teams should come in there and be more worried about things outside of playing hockey, get distracted by things. There are a lot of distractions, let's put it that way. There are a lot of distractions that are there that uh, could take your focus away from hockey. So I I think if that is where your home is, that you should be pretty good in that. Um, But for whatever reason, they are better on the road than they are at home. So uh, we'll see what happens tonight here with the Blue Jackets. A, a bunch that is uh, dinged up again tonight where Eric Branson didn't skate this morning. It's looking as though he's not going to be able to play tonight because they just called up Tim Burney from the Cleveland Monsters. And uh, I don't think Tim Burney's going to play tonight. I would uh, surmise that Billy Sweezy, who has been here for the last week and has been practicing with the team, is going to be the guy that gets into the lineup should Branson not be able to play. So the Blue Jackets, uh, again, looking to put different faces on the blue line, not because they want to, but pretty much because they have to. Also, Johnny Gaudreau did not skate this morning. However, uh, there is still time for him to be ready and to play tonight. Brad Larson saying this morning after the morning skate that there were decisions that he would have to make tonight that he couldn't make uh, this morning. So, Maybe Johnny Gaudreau is one of those guys. I think Johnny has played like 314 straight games, something of that nature. He hasn't missed, so he is not one to be out of the lineup, and hopefully he's not going to be out of the lineup when the Blue Jackets play tonight. But if he is, then it's just going to be, you know, going to who's next, doing whatever you can do um, with who's up next. It really is. I I know you hate to hear that. I get tired of saying it, but it's just uh, a fact. Just the way it goes, uh, next man up, kind of a mentality for the Blue Jackets. That's all that uh, they could do. It's all they've got left. So we'll see what happens tonight. We'll see, um, you know, who is, who's going to be in and who's going to be out when the Blue Jackets get set to take on the Golden Knights at Nationwide Arena. All right. I have got uh, your questions. I have some of your questions. And I'm sure that uh, there are more of you that have questions that you would like to send along. So, uh, we can uh, do that. You can send them to me on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports. If you're with me live on Twitter Spaces right now, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. I can bring you on like that. You can ask your question, and uh, we'll get right to it. All right, here's an email I got 
from Corey. And Corey says, is it just me or do we or have we seen more fighting this year already from the Blue Jackets than we have in the last several seasons? I personally love Matthew Olivier's game. Do you think this is due to us struggling to bring energy every night or maybe something John Davidson wanted to change up when he was uh, brought in? As old school as Torts was, we never really had a true tough guy when he was here, and I always thought perhaps uh, Yarmo being so skill-oriented had something to do with it. Well, the league kind of had something to do with it. I mean, overall, the league doesn't fight like the league used to fight, and we all know that, right? But with that being said, that was one of the focuses that this organization had over the course of the summer. They wanted to be tougher. They wanted some guys that could make players on other teams accountable. That was a big deal. It was talked about last year. Uh, you remember, Zach Wierenski got knocked around a couple of times. Uh, Cole Sillinger got banged around by other teams, and there was no answer for it. There was nobody that was stepping up and saying, hey, this is not how it's going to work. This is not how it's going to go. And they they wanted that. And when I say they, I mean the players, the team itself. They wanted some element of toughness in their game because it's still a part of the game. Now, we can look at the game and say how much speed there is, how much skill there is, and you know it's not old-time hockey anymore and all that stuff. And, and it's all true, but with that being said, there is still that element in the game. And when you don't have it, you are exposed for not having it pretty quickly. And, th and that happened to the Blue Jackets last year. They had guys that were getting run over, and um, there were cheap shots and this and that, and they just said, that's enough. We don't want that. We want somebody. We don't have anybody on this team right now that is the a legitimate guy to step up and help us in the situation. We want that kind of a guy. And I remember talking to Zach Wierenski, and this is after he had gotten hit once, maybe the second time, I'm not sure. But I said to him, I go, boy, it'll be nice when uh, you have somebody where you can just go out and play and not worry about stuff that you're dealing with. And he said, well, we need two guys. We need two. And he was right. They did need two, and they got two. They got Eric Branson to play defense. They got Matthew Olivier to play as a forward. And both of those guys, look at the last two games. They both had a fight, each uh, one in the last couple of games. Branson fought in the Montreal game, and Olivier fought in the Islanders game the other night. And Olivier's been fighting a lot lately. So it's still a part of the game. The element is still there. It's not as prevalent as it once was, like when this team came into existence in the early 2000s. It's not that. But if you don't have it and somebody else does, they're going to let you know about it. And not even just a fight. It's just that, that hard hitting. If you have no answer to it, if I can run around out there and I can just pop every one of your guys and I know there's nobody that's going to come to me and hold me accountable for it, then that's what I'm going to do. But if I know that I'm going to run around and pop your guys and I might have to fight that guy because of it, then I might think a little bit differently. And that's what it's all about. That was the mindset. So, Corey, that's why the Blue Jackets addressed that. It, it's nothing, you know, it's, it's easy to say as you get a highly skilled team and maybe you don't want that kind of a, an element, but you've got to have it. You've got to have it. And sometimes you learn the hard way. And last year, they felt that they learned the hard way that they needed it. So they just simply went out and got it. And it is, it's been doing well for them, you know, especially with Olivier. He's, he takes on some tough guys, and he has to. He knows what his role is. He knows that's part of the deal as to why he's here. So he just goes out there, and he does it. All right, here's an email from Brian. 
says, I want to check your thoughts around the Blue Jackets' future at the center position. Do the Blue Jackets currently have any prospects that you see is locking down the number one and number two center spot? And if not, do you think they are going to have to find that player in the draft? Tough sell to get that high of a pick. Or make a move, which will cost a lot in assets or cap space. It's understood that Boone Jenner has been doing a good job, but this is meant for two to three years down the line. I know it's hard to predict the future, but for me, I can see Cole Sillinger being a number two, maybe a number one, depending on his growth, but also see Kent Johnson potentially staying at wing. Well, yes. Is Kent Johnson going to be a centerman? Is he going to be a winger? I mean, that's the, you know, that's the debate that we've been having. And as Brad Larson will tell you, and he told it again to me today when I asked him about Kent Johnson, look, we're talking about the first 20 games of this guy's NHL career here. It's far from a finished product. So is he going to be a centerman somewhere down the road? I don't know. We'll see. If he does, if he's going to be, and if he does play that position, he could potentially be your number one guy. I think that if he is going to play that position, that if he's not your number one guy, then that's kind of a, a fail in the drafting of it. Um, you can keep him on the wing. He can keep on making plays on the wing. He could probably be a very good winger in this league. Uh, but if he's not going to go to the center position, then what do you have in the organization? Not To answer your question, Brian, you're, you don't have the standout guy that you're talking about. Um, Luca Del Belbaluz was taken second round last year. Uh, could he be a number one guy? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess anybody potentially could. Anybody that's not here potentially could until they get here and find out what it's like to play the pro game and all that stuff. But I, I just I don't think they've got that guy in the pipeline. Um, if you if you don't have a good season this year, uh, if you get into the lottery, I mean, if you win the lottery, you've got the problem solved. Really, you do. You've got the problem solved. If you draft high in this upcoming draft, maybe you have the problem solved. But I think it's still a problem. You're talking about two or three years down the road. A lot happens between now and then. Um, you know, I, I noticed you didn't mention Jack Roslovic as part of that, and I know he's only got a two-year deal, and you're talking about three years down the road, but, you know, can he can he ever get into the conversation and, and do the things that we saw him do last year at the end of the year? Can he ever be consistent enough? Those are questions. Again, it, it comes down to uh, the whole thing where you uh, you have more questions than answers when it comes to Jack, unfortunately. So uh, it's going to be a wait and see. But I, I don't think that there's there's a guy there that, uh, that jumps out, at least not right at the moment. Not for me. Um, here's, a, here's a tweet from DK2. It says, being a longtime professional, how do you keep yourself from becoming like Harry Doyle from Major League during these down periods? Well, Harry Doyle was allowed to drink during the games, and I'm not, so it's very easy. You, you can't you can't become Harry Doyle because you just get fired, right? But um, yeah, sometimes I know what you mean, though. I mean, sometimes it uh, it gets very frustrating, and um, you either see guys you see guys that you know are better not playing as well as they can, or you see the team overall not playing as well as they can, or you just know it's one of those nights. Sometimes you just know. Sometimes you just the game starts and you say, oh, boy, this is one of those nights. This, nothing's going to go good tonight. This is just going to be, uh, this is going to be a struggle 
all the way around. There are nights like that, and um, you just you just do it. You just do it. That's that's all I can say, DK. You just do it. Simple as that. Andy McLean says it's the holidays, and what about this team makes you thankful? Personally, I'm thankful that we are seeing some organizational depth due to all of the injuries. Yeah, I understand that, and that is good, especially when you're you're digging so deep on the defensive side of the puck right now where you're bringing up yet another guy from Cleveland. What is this, 11 defensemen that have been put on the roster this year? and uh, That's a lot. John Tortorella, when he was here, he always used to tell me, you're going to go through at least 10 defensemen during the year. He didn't mean you're going to do it in a three-week span like it seems like this team is doing, but he would say you're always going to use at least 10 every year. And when you start with six, you think that, well, that might be pushing it a little bit. You're talking about an additional four, but it just starts to snowball very quickly as we're seeing here. And, you know, before you know it, your six turns into seven. Well, you've got a seventh guy on your on your uh, roster, right? So you're starting the year with seven. It doesn't take long through a couple of uh, injuries to get to the number 10. And, and then it takes even less time on this team to go beyond the number 10. So, uh, yeah, that depth is something to be thankful for. Absolutely. And these guys are coming up, and when they do come up, you know, they're just plopping right into the system and they're playing. I talked with Trey Fix-Wilansky this morning after the morning skate about the system that they play in Cleveland, and they play the exact same system that the Blue Jackets play. So for the guys that are coming up, you know, one would think if you're playing well there, you're going to have a chance when you get here. Now, for the forwards, it's a little bit different because maybe you're playing top line in the American Hockey League. Maybe you're getting 18 to 22 minutes a game, and then you're coming here and you're playing third or fourth line and you're getting 8 to 12 minutes a game. That's an adjustment. That's a difference. Um, but for the defensemen, you know, if you're in the game, you're in the group of six. So you're pretty much rolling unless it's late in the game and, and maybe they're just going with four guys or leaning on four, leaning on five, and leaving you out of it. But when you're playing the same kind of system, it makes it a lot easier to come here and make the transition. And you might think that every team does that, but every team doesn't do it. And I was talking with Trey about that this morning. And as he said, there are some organizations that really see uh, they put a lot on doing well in the American Hockey League year after year after year. And if that means playing a different system than the NHL team is playing, then that's exactly what they're going to do. And I remember one time, I don't remember what year it was, and I don't remember the personnel specifically on the team, but I remember one time Ken Hitchcock was coaching here in Columbus. I was in Syracuse, and coming out of training camp, that's what the idea was. We're going to play the same way that Columbus plays because if a guy gets called up, he should be able to easily slot in and do the same things. It'll just make it easier on the transition once they go up. That was the idea, and it sounds like a good idea, right? It sounds easy. It sounds like a no-brainer. But then all of a sudden, you look at the personnel that you have on your team, and you look at the system that you're being asked to play, and they don't match up. You know, there's a, a different group in Columbus, and maybe the players that they have there match up for the system that's being played there. But now you've got a team that doesn't fit into that system, and now you're trying to put the square peg into a round hole. And I remember uh, specifically they changed it at one point during the year. It got to a point where things were going so badly down there that they changed what they were doing and they went away from copying the NHL system just so 
they could start to win games and have some positivity. And again, when you have young players and you've got prospects in the American Hockey League and you're looking to develop them, you know, developing in a losing atmosphere is not developing. It's not developing the right way. It's not developing uh, to its highest extent. You know, you're developing losers is what you're doing. Let's, let's just put it out there. You, that's what you're developing. When you're winning and when your players expect to win wherever they go, then you're developing winners, and that's what it's all about. So they actually changed the system, and it got better. I don't remember if we made the playoffs or not that year, but it did get better, and it fit the mold of the players that were there. So you can't always do it, and you don't always do it, but in this case, they are doing it in Cleveland, and they're having success there. I mean, they're playing well, and uh, they're getting their points there, and the guys are ready when they come up here to play in the National Hockey League. So you should be thankful for the depth. What am I thankful for? I'm thankful for the fact that this team, especially in the last couple of games, has started to get back to its structure a little bit. And they've stopped giving up five and six goals a game. And there are numerous reasons for that. Um, the goaltending is one. I think Jonas Corposalo has played really well. Daniil Tarasov has played well when given the opportunity here. So the goaltending has been better. Then on top of that, you've got guys that now have been around for a little bit, whereas they were getting called up every other day. Now they've been in the lineup for the last couple of weeks, playing with the same line or the same defensive pairing and becoming more familiar with what's going on there. So I think that has helped too. And, and just the overall the overall structure has been better. They, it, it's not that they've tweaked it or done anything to it. They're just playing it. They're playing within the structure the way they're supposed to. So I'm very thankful for that, and I'm hoping that that starts to, um, you know, just become second nature and and they, uh, you know, keep on doing this because it's – they're going to have to keep doing it. They're playing a really good team tonight in the Vegas Golden Knights. They're, you're playing a team that's not just built to get into the playoffs. It's a team that is expected to, to go uh, a long way. They want to take this team to the Stanley Cup final. So when you're going to go up against these kind of teams, you got to be very good at this. And uh, so I hope that structure continues to stay in place and they continue to do a good job with it because they need to. They quite simply need to. And now you're going to start going on the road too. Like for the last month, you've had the luxury of playing at Nationwide Arena. You've had the luxury as a coach of having the last line change. You can get every matchup that you want to at home. You really can because you get that last change. The other team puts out their top line to take the face off. If you want your top line to play against them head-to-head, boom, you can do it. If you want your fourth line to go out there and check against them, boom, you can do it. But now you're going to go on the road. All this time at home is going to start to become more equal, and then by the end of the year, it's the, the scale is going to be tipped in the other way, and you're going to be spending more time on the road than you are at home. So... um you know, that structure I'm talking about, it is going to be extremely important because you're not going to be able to decide the matchups every game here very soon. Uh, Morgan Bennett says not to beat a dead horse with Kent Johnson, but in one of the early games, I saw him get literally picked up and thrown down on the ice, and then I thought he looked pretty solid physically in the last game. Thoughts on his physical presence changing? Um, well, it is. When he got picked up and thrown down, it was by Victor Hedman, okay, who is a giant in his own right. 
I think if Kent Johnson went up against Victor Hedman again today, the same thing would happen. That's not a knock on Kent Johnson. I'm just saying you talk about him looking more physical. And, and yes, do I think that he is being um, more aggressive? Do I think that he's uh, attacking guys before they attack him more so now that he as he's getting comfortable? Yes, I do. I, I do. But, you know, physical – Kent Johnson and physical is not going to be uh, a conversation that I'm really going to get into until – two or three years from now when he really starts to put on some weight and he bulks up and all that stuff because he, he's just not there. It's looked better as of late, but, again, you have to uh, you have to consider the opponent and the, the caliber of the players that he's going up against because Victor Hedman just picked him up like a toy, and I think he would do that again. But then again, not everybody's Victor Hedman. Not every team has a Victor Hedman, so – that's that's the difference in that. Is he getting better? Yes, he's getting better. Is he getting more physical? Yes, he's getting more physical. Will he put on more weight? Yes, he will. Will he build strength? Yes, he will. But it's not, you know, and he'll do it throughout the course of the year, but it's more going to be the change you see next year and the year after that when you talk about Kent Johnson and his physical play. Uh, George says, any recent news on Adam Boquist and when he might be returning? Well, I don't have any recent news. I did see him today. He's walking around downstairs, so he's graduated. He did have the scooter that he was on. Now he's walking around, and he should be getting close here within the next, I don't know, week or two maybe uh, to getting back onto the ice and, and then getting into the lineup, I would think, I would hope. So, again, I don't have the uh, an actual timeline on him, but he is around. He's walking around. And he, he's getting close to that time where it should be to um, to start getting ready to come back and uh, and play for the Blue Jackets here. And that'll be nice because this is a guy, again, it's so frustrating. You know, you, you get this guy in the Seth Jones trade and you're getting an NHL defenseman. You're getting a guy that was taken eighth overall by Chicago and you're feeling pretty good about that. And then he has suffered some injuries. Last year he was injured and, and missed time. And now this year he's had two different injuries and he's missed a lot of time. So it's uh, it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating for him. He wants to play. Absolutely he wants to play. But, you know, here's a guy that, that you're counting on and you know he can score. You want to see him play better defense. And until he can get out there and play regular shifts for a long period of time, he's not going to be able to work on that, quite honestly. So it'll be good when he is back in the lineup. Get him out there and get him doing what he does offensively. Again, with Wierenski out for the year, the sky's the limit for Adam Boquist when he comes back because he he goes to run the top power play. Uh, He's going to have the opportunity to get those minutes that Wierenski played. He's got to play defense if he wants all those minutes because Zach would do – 28 a night, but the opportunity is going to be there for him. I said this about Jake Bean before he got hurt. You know, I and I think the Jake Bean injury to me, if there's a guy that I feel really sorry for, it's him because Boquist out, Wierenski out, he was going to get the opportunity to showcase himself. And for a guy that I think the organization is trying to figure out, is he going to be a fit here or is he not? And for him, who's probably trying to figure out the same thing, I would say his thing is, how am I going to be a good fit here? Not, 
Can I be a fit here? How am I going to be a good fit here? That's that's what I think that you know his perspective would be. He was going to benefit from all of that ice time. That was his. It was going to be his chance to step into the spotlight and say, hey, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and I need to have a bigger role on this team. And then the minute he gets hurt, that's all out the window. Now he doesn't have the opportunity. Adam Boquist will now get that opportunity when he comes back. He's going to get the minutes. He's going to get the time. He's going to get the assignments. He's going to get the responsibility. And then we'll see what he can do with it. Nick Blankenberg is another guy. He would have had those minutes too. He would have been able to make or break himself to, to some extent. I don't mean because he got hurt, he's never going to make it in the NHL. I mean there were other guys out of the lineup where he would have had a chance to pick up really big minutes and do uh, some really good things, and and now it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen because he's got the injury. So... You know, I feel I feel bad. I do feel bad for Jake Bean. I I feel really bad, and I feel bad for Nick Blankenberg too. But Adam Boquist is going to get that opportunity when he comes back. It's going to be there for him. Now, what he does with it, it's going to be up to him. But the opportunity will be there. Uh, what do I have here from Goizan or Goizan? I don't know. Hope I got it right on one of those two tries anyway. Uh, here's some questions I have for you. It says, what is your opinion on line A and Goudreau regarding battles on the board? I haven't heard opinions on that. And I think that the biggest issue with this pairing is none of these two elite players are winning board battles. And therefore it's hard to set plays on the offensive zone when two thirds of the players are reluctant or not made for contact and dirty work. Well, you haven't heard anything about it because... They've played seven games together. Patrick was hurt early. Patrick is hurt now. So you want me to evaluate it on seven games and tell you neither one is willing to go to the boards and make the dirty plays? I'm not going to do that. I think Johnny Gaudreau's willing to go in there. I think, not only I think, I know. When he does, other teams are trying to send two guys to get him on the boards so that he can't make a play off the boards. But how can I tell you about this line when they haven't played together but for seven games? I'm not evaluating two superstars on seven games together. What are you, nuts? It's not enough time. It is not enough time. They've been playing together for 20 games, and you ask this question, that's one thing. Seven games, and the seven weren't seven in a row. It was game number one. Oh, Patrick's out. Comes back in Finland. And then he's back out again soon after getting back from Finland. So for that, you know, I, I'm not. No, we're just not doing that. We're not doing it. It needs time. It's got to be figured out over time. Next question. What's the future for Emil Bemstrom and Liam Foody? It seems that they are caught in a level between AHL and NHL. Wouldn't it be better to trade at some point? Trade to whom and for what? Because I don't know that there's anybody knocking down your door for either one of those guys. Trade them? I mean, Foodie was a first-round pick, and he's been in and out of the lineup here in these last couple of games. Bemstrom, 
went to the American Hockey League to start the year, led the league in scoring, got called up, and it didn't translate. Got put on the top line with Johnny Gaudreau, couldn't make it work, and now he's back in Cleveland once again. So I don't know what you think you're going to get for either one of those guys. I don't know if you're going to try to uh, do a rummage sale and package them up just for something. I don't think there's a value on either one of those players right now. So are are they stuck? Yes. Yes, they're stuck. As, um, as we used to call them in baseball, 4A players. What was a 4A player? What is a 4A player? A guy that is a really good player at the AAA level and just can't find a way to keep a job at the major league level. They're too good for the top minor league level. They're not good enough for the top level, and they're kind of stuck in between. So, yes, I agree that those guys are there, especially Bemstrom. I think that's where Emil Bemstrom is right now. But he's in Cleveland right now, so he's got a chance to get it going again and see what he can do with it. But there's not a market for those guys. Talking about trading them, maybe you package them up with something later in the year near the trade deadline. If you can, so if your question to me is, if you could do that, would you? Yeah, I probably would. But as far as trading them on their own merit, that ain't happening. Not right now, anyway. Uh, Jack Rosselbeck is struggling. Any thoughts and opinions on why and what the Blue Jackets should do about it? The scratching doesn't seem to have worked. Well, Jack is, uh, look, he's really talented. He's really skilled. His decision-making is what gets him into trouble. You know, sometimes trying to make a play when there's not a play to be made. Sometimes holding on to the puck or dumping it in to live another day. Uh, he doesn't do it, and he tries to make something out of nothing, and it gets him in trouble. So um, what should they do about it? What can they do about it? Uh, you can you can keep scratching him. You could look now. Here's a guy that if you were looking to make a trade, you might be able to find somebody that has value for him, whether it be as a centerman or maybe not, maybe even as a winger. So that is something you could do. Or the other thing you can do is you can keep working with Jack and you can keep putting him back out there because it would be one thing if we didn't see the last twenty three games last year, but we did. And we know how good he can play. And his coaches know how good he can play. It's about getting him to that level. What's it going to take to get him there and keep him there? That is the question. And nobody has the answer to that right now. But I think at some point, you know, you look at what you have and he's going to play. But you got to keep in his ear the entire time and, you know, remind him of the kind of player that he has to be. Uh, what else do, does we have here? Uh, I'm not even going to the next one. Not even. It's about a player that's not here, and I, I'm not. I don't care. So that should tell you. Oh, you need to know about that. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, Ryan Wallace. Chinikov has taken a step in his development. Who else do you see that has improved? Yeah, Chinikov has taken a huge step in his development. Absolutely, a huge step for. Him and, and what he's doing, you know, he, he missed the game against Montreal. He comes back against the Islanders, scores a huge power play goal to get the Blue Jackets on the board, and then they score another power play goal right after that to to tie the game. So, yeah, he's been really good. Who else is improving? I don't know that anybody's improving like he is right now. I mean, Kent Johnson's improving. When he gets more ice time, he has improved. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, on the defense, 
You know, when Jake Christensen first came up, and I like Jake, and I think he's got a lot of potential, but when he first came up, he uh, he was making some mistakes that I guess to an extent surprised me, but I think he has settled in and he has improved here in the uh, the last couple of weeks since he's been here. So I would say that I, I will give you those names. Uh, Heather says, in your mind, who has taken over as leader on defense with Wierenski out? Also, do you think that if that person continues to lead, we could have a third A next season? Well, Gavrikov's been the guy that's leading it now that Wierenski is out. And I I don't know. But you, you could always add those A's. They're just a... I think we make a bigger deal out of them than the team does, quite honestly. So I think that's where that is on that. But anyway. So it is a game day. The Blue Jackets and the Vegas Golden Knights going head-to-head tonight, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Got uh, the call for you starting at 6.30 with pregame coverage this evening on 97.1 The Fan and the Blue Jackets Radio Network. Pregame coverage at 6.30 on the TV side also on Bally Sports Ohio. The Blue Jackets after this are going to hit the road. They go to Winnipeg later in the week. It seems like this team hasn't been on the road forever. So uh, that'll be different to go away. They were supposed to go on the road on Saturday to Nashville, and it never happened. The water main break at Bridgestone Arena canceled a couple of games, including the Blue Jackets game. So that game will have to be rescheduled. So instead of making a trip this weekend, the Blue Jackets did not have back-to-back games. They did not have to go on the road. And we'll see if they're a more well-rested team here tonight by chance. Uh, The Golden Knights played Saturday. They traveled here yesterday, and they're ready to play tonight. And again, this is going to be a tough game for the Blue Jackets. They have to be on their game. They have to mind their P's and Q's. They have to dot their I's, cross their T's. You've got to play a good, solid game. No doubt about it. If they do, then they've they've got a good chance of getting what they're looking for tonight, and that's a win in the two points. If they don't, then it could make for a long night at Nationwide Arena. So here's hoping that they do the things that they need to do. Well, you've done the things that you've needed to do. You've tuned in today. You've sent me questions, and you can do that anytime on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports via email, bobbymack at bluejackets.com. Blue Jackets, Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.